Welcome to Living in the Matrix. I'm Jonathan, and I'm left of center. And I'm Rich, and I tend to lean a little bit more to the right. But the bottom line is, is together we try to look for the balance of what it means to be human in today's world. So let's get started then. And brother, it's good to see you. You too. You were on the Camino. That's you right. haven't really downloaded that at all. What, what showed up for you? Yeah, you know, um, it's funny. We could actually probably dedicate an entire episode of the Camino because there's just millions of people that do that every year. And the highlight for me um, continue to be um, the magic that happens along the way, right? So sometimes they say that the point of a journey is not to arrive. In fact, that's in a rush song. The point of a journey is to, about the experience, right? And so again, um, I mean, I, I've, I've kept in touch, Jonathan, with people that I met on my first Camino in 2017. I believe it. Yeah. I totally believe it. Really cool guy named Alejandro that I know from Miami, a guy named David we met. He was from the UK, owns a property in Thessalonica. He congratulated me on my, um, he goes, you're back again. That's amazing. So you've got that. And this time, you know, um, I felt like it was, a little bit of a bummer going into it because what had happened, unfortunately, is my daughter's passport hadn't arrived. And you just, here's a, a public notice for everybody out there who's trying to get their passport lined up right now. It's not the same as it was years ago. There's a lot of red tape. There's a lot of delays. Um, this idea of a two-week emergency kind of mm -hmm. framework is not helpful. Um, so please, um, my, my recommendation to everybody is plan ahead, plan ahead. Because um, Ariana didn't get to go. It was supposed to be her birthday or not birthday, her uh, anniversary, you know, gift. And she was going to do it with us. Now it also turned out to be really actually cool. And let's talk about how God works. Yeah. So what were the good parts? Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the one cool. And let's do this. Let's you're yeah. right. Let's give me the highlight. Like what's your biggest highlight? Because I, I would love to have an entire episode on your Camino experience. Yeah. I think that is a spiritual journey. It's a it's an example on earth of a place you can go to have what's considered a journey. And I think that's worthy of an entire episode. But what's your biggest highlight? Well, um, you know, to, 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 be, relationships. Fair, to be fair, it, it is relationships. So yeah. for me, um, and by the way, if you watch the movie The Way, you'll realize that there's people who are just trying to get shit out of their head, right? There's a, um on the movie The Way, which is a cadre of crazy characters, Martin Sheen goes to, you know bury his son and then he ends up taking the hike on the Camino and spreading his ashes along the way. That was probably a spiritual and an emotional journey for, yeah. all, for other people. It's about exercise, right? And just enjoying good food and good nature. But for others, there's a spiritual component and, you know, it's based on St. James who used to supposedly um, preach in Spain. For mm -hmm. me, um, the highlight was the relationships. Um, met some amazing people, including a gal named Moni, who's from Colombia. I've kept in touch with her as well as her brother who has a place in Miami. He actually runs a, a research facility, works with some of the largest biotech firms in the actual country. And one of his clients is Edwards Life Sciences. So here's a guy who um, is actually coming back to the States and I'm gonna probably take him wine tasting at the end of August, right? So, I mean, this is the kind of relationship building and, and fun that comes out of that. And we got to connect with them even afterwards. And here's the crazy story. This woman had, booked a hotel in Madrid on the second half on the way back in, it was less than 500 yards away from our hotel. And she wow. did this months prior. So think about that, right? That's just crazy. So anyway, highlight of the highlight was relationships, but also 
um, relationships internally with my dad and my son going through a lot of stuff. It was a different place for my son, right? He's, he's, he's out, you know, he's not with us at our house. He's grown up, he's gone through, you know, a, a relationship, he's got a new job. And so there was just a lot more going on. So really exciting stuff. Did you feel like you had time to bond with him again, or at least kind of get a good picture of who he was? 100%. There's nothing more exciting than the opportunity to have a nice beer or a glass of wine with your, your son as he grows up and, and you start yeah. having those um, adult conversations, right? As opposed to kind of mentoring and training, you're talking about a peer now, right? Instead of yeah. just somebody that um, that you've kind of taken care of. So it's, it's a fascinating um, journey. And I'm just so proud of him. You know, I've just really loved the man he's become and just, um, you know, reinforced it. He saved my ass um, on my my first day. I I, I wasn't prepared. I, I had some stuff that I thought I was going to close out. So I brought my backpack and I didn't realize I should have shipped it ahead. So he helped. He carried my small backpack that had my laptop and some other stuff in it. So I didn't have to be beleaguered with an extra set of eight to 10 pounds. So he, oh, he wow. saved my ass as, as he did last time. <laughs> Was it hard? It was 130 hard. miles yeah. in how long? Seven yeah, days? so it's 110 kilometers, roughly 75 miles. Um, the thing that was more challenging this time is each of us had our own, you know, kind of injuries. Um, my son had something happen with his instep. He had plantar fasciitis in the past. And so oh, this wow. was a little bit different for me. I was wearing waterproof boots and I never get blisters. And so I had two blisters right in the middle of between my big toe and middle toe. Oh my and God. It was excruciatingly painful. Uh, I was like pissed because I was in good shape, right? So when you are in good shape physically and you can hike 15 miles, but yeah. it's something like a blister that doesn't affect your, your knees, joints and hips, right? And just your stamina. I, I was a little upset. My dad whacked his elbow really good and bled all over the place because he's on a blood thinner. We made it through it and it was also... <laughs> hottest Camino ever, right? So we're talking um, one of the hardest days, it was 90 degrees outside and about 85% humidity. So those kind of conditions are not fine to finish up your hike in. Wow. Yeah. So did, what, what part of it was, uh, well, no, I'll, I'll hold that for the next episode. What was it like not having Ari there? Did you feel like, were you remorseful? I you brought that up because um, she'd been doing really good with her training. Um, you know, we'd gone on some hikes. I think that, you know, she probably should have done more. Like when you do these kinds of, when you're, when you're hiking, it's one thing to hike 11 miles locally in the Hills, yeah. which we did, but Jonathan, we're talking 12 to 18 miles a day, right? Not just one yeah. day, but day and after day, after day for right. five days in a row. You get a blister. Sorry. You just got to suck it up. My, my daughter, Sarah, uh, on the, on her first Camino in 2015, got many blisters because, um, the shoes weren't fitting properly. So, but take a step back. This is how good God is and how he works. Um, she was sick on that first day. So, so we had already left, but she was sick. The, the first few days, she, she was sick back at home. And then she got an infection on her toe. So she would have been absolutely miserable. So take away the fact that I don't think she was fully physically in shape and add to that the fact that she was sick the first few days and then had a little bit of a toe infection. And then don't forget that um, on the return, we were going to um, take off back to Madrid, and then my wife was going to come and pick her up in um, Santiago, then take a connection to Madrid into Paris. And then about the time they were supposed to be in Paris, Paris was, or France, France was blowing up because of, uh, unfortunately, a little bit of the, the, the police had killed um, uh, a teenage a G Algerian, you know, Muslim from Algeria, who was, you know, probably an immigrant. 
and the whole uh, country was on fire. They had to deploy 45,000 police officers to kind of settle things down. And we had been freaking out about, you know, two blondies in, in, in Paris, you know, all by themselves, um, you know, during the middle of that. And so all, all, all in all, it, it was kind of really good how it worked out. And, um, you know, we've got other things to prepare for down the road. We it's a learned lesson, right, about being more prepared and, and, and having stuff. And so yeah, I opened that. That yeah. happens with every trip. You know, you forget a pair of socks. I remember when I was 16, I did Outward Bound, which is 21 days of survival course. It was brutal. I was a city kid. I was spoiled. And I got there. And the very first day you're there, you wake up and it's 60 degrees and they make you do an ice bath. Nice. And you have no concept because the water is literally melted ice water because there's snow still on the ground. I mean, it's melted ice water. Yeah. And it's funny to think about it now. It's like those challenges are where life is really met. You know, it's like, can we learn to handle those kind of experiences? And I think that's, a, that's one of the beautiful parts of the Camino is it has a space for everybody to figure out what they need to work through. You know? Dude, 100%. And, um, you know, there's people that try to do it in a month, right? 500 miles in a month is just insane. But then there's people who also just take their time. And here's what's also crazy. We've talked about this before um, in the past. And as our mind focuses more on love and less on competition and other things, we try to actually appreciate the things around us. And one of the things we talked about is when I bought my ice bath and I spent about 150, 200 bucks, you said, oh, you can get that on Alibaba for 50 bucks. In the back of my mind, I was pissed saying, well, that sucks. And then we both agreed. And I said to myself, hey, you know what? If everybody gets to enjoy an ice bath, that's amazing. That's the way it should be, right? Exactly. So you look at that as a great equalizer. In, this, in, in a very similar vein, what we noticed on the Camino is in the early days, in the 500s and early 1000 AD, people had a sackcloth, they had robe, they had a staff, and they had a water gourd, and that's how they hiked the Camino. They had to rely 100% on the charity of the people that are called albergues, which are like basically a hostel. So there'd be these yeah. places to stay along the way where they'd be fed a, a pilgrim's meal and they'd have rest for their next leg of the journey. And it would be 100%, you know, basically paid for by the people subsidizing it, right? Fast forward to um, when the movie, uh, The Way was filmed, they've all got these massive backpacks on. A lot of them have their sleeping bags as well as um, pads because they might want to find places on their own or there might be an emergency. So those packs are pretty heavy, um, call it 30 pound packs and they're hiking 500 miles. Fast forward to a little bit later. And, and by the way, in the past you had to hike, the faster you made it to your next destination, you got dibs on the next round of the hostels, right? So you got in there first, you got to get the pick of the litter and then you would take care of payment. Now, everybody can just take a day pack, a little backpack with some um, cliff bars and a water and they can pack all their heavy stuff for their clothes and their gear ahead of them. So they've got this day pack and then there's people who take e-bikes. So a lot of people get really frustrated because they go, no, that's not doing the Camino. These guys are out there. They, they ship all their stuff. They're loud, they're obnoxious and they've got an easy hike, right? And at the end of the day, you have to say, you know what, if they're on the Camino, they're learning, growing, um, getting better, becoming better people. That's, that's all that matters, right? Because I so a friend of mine did uh, 150 miles last summer, and he's now writing a documentary on doing it. I think he's going to do what's 15 times 30. I think it's the 500 miles. 450. 
Yeah. About 450. It's from, from Spain to France. It's the beginning. Um, it's the very tip of France where France meets Spain in the Pyrenees Mountains. And you start in a town called Saint-Jean, Pays de Port. And then you go over the mountains into a town called Roncesvalles. And that's a town that begins your Spanish journey, right? And that's where um, Roland, who's this famous um, um, warrior for Charlemagne, died. He had this magic sword. But uh, unfortunately, the, the, the Holy Roman Emperor sacked the town of Pamplona and killed off a lot of Basques. And then they took uh, revenge on them in, in the forests of the Pyrenees. So, um, yeah, then you begin that journey into Pamplona and you go across this massive um, expanse of, of almost really dry area. That's where the wine country is, but it's really dry. And when you think about the man of La Mancha, you think about Don Quixote, you think about Spain and its heat. That's a lot of heat there. So you leave this fresh, lush, hilly area. Then you go into the heat. So this is called birth. Then you go into death and then you go into Galicia which is the last part of the Camino, you mm -hmm. go back into greenery again and it becomes rebirth as you enter Santiago. So a really cool thing. And so, yeah, um, there are additional ways to get to the um, to Santiago and you could start in Porto. So there's a lot of people who traveled 150 miles um, from Porto and they hike north into Santiago. Uh, the other thing I have to mention for people is um, a big learning lesson, Jonathan, is that there's a lot of cobblestones and asphalt that you have to hike on on the Camino. So a lot of people bring their medium to heavyweight boots. And unfortunately, hiking boots are not designed to work on asphalt and cobblestone. The cushioning is not there. So I always, um, anybody who goes, I'd recommend highly having a pair of either really comfortable sandals or some like cushy, like hokas or something. So when you do have some of those days that are heavily um, asphalt or cobblestone, you give your, um, your knees and your your hips and your ankle a little bit of a, of a breather it how did your hip blisters ever heal when you were on the on the course yeah so what I, my, my dad has a really cool my dad is amazing um with what he does with blisters and so he punctured one and then he had these two strings that came out at either side so they would drain and so that one healed up and then i found my own way of having almost like a knuckle bandage and then I would I would tie them together and so I would I actually figured out a way to protect my own feet but unfortunately I I brought flip-flops as my recovery right so you get out of those boots and you put on flip-flops at the end of the day to relax and go around town and grab a bite right and do your thing well guess what's hard to do with flip-flops when you've got a massive blister in between your big toe and your middle toe so it was miserable for me. So I ended up buying a pair of hokas when I was in um, Santiago, which I still wear today. I love them. So uh, I recovered that way. You guys didn't have second skin. Do you know what second skin is? Yeah, it's a spray. Yeah. Um, no, 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 they have a they have a gel. I, that, that's true. And you can it. It's like the skin on your blister that you when you rip it off, it lets you put another one on. Yeah. And it remarkably worked really well because it's a basically a water soluble and it absorbs so your skin stays fresh and it'll heal faster. That was the only thing that anybody did that had any remote effect. Otherwise, blisters just hurt me. <laughs> they just they, hurt. They, they do. Because you're like, you know, that every step you're like, damn, I'm oh, just yeah. going to fight through yeah. this pain. This fucking sucks. <laughs> and yeah. it just, and you just, because that's a big part of life. You know, it's like exactly. encountering those moments when, and it's kind of funny when it happens on the Camino, because it's like, this is a spiritual journey and I'm fighting through the pain. Okay. That's really what life is about. You know, it's like, can I make it through this next thing? Switching gears. 
this is our 19th episode. Did Amen. You, honestly, dude, did you ever think we'd get this far? I didn't think we'd get this. Well, you know what? In the back of my mind, I think I felt we would get to 19. I just didn't think we'd do it this fast. I thought we would take these easy as we go. And I'm so thankful that, you know, you've kind of put this, kept us on a really good pace because when you really love like listening to the Bible for normal people, like with Peter Enns, or you like a podcast you love, you want to hear them every week or even more than that, right? You look forward to that next one. And I think that for our guests and our, for our, for our, you know, listeners, they look forward to having that next one, right? And so having, having 19 in this period of time is a phenomenal thing. You know what I, it's funny when we first started, it was, yeah, let's do it every other week. And then we accidentally did it every week for three weeks and it just felt like a good cadence. And here we are. And it's like, the, the, the beauty of this is it's 10 times better than I thought it would be. Yeah. You know, it, it's been this really wild experience that I think uh, really hit for me when I listened to us on David Artman's podcast. Mm. I realized what I had done is really begun through this experience, kind of begin culminating my understanding of the unified field into that podcast. And I realized a lot of what we've done on here is talk about that and how- Well, um, it's everything, right? I mean, yeah. ultimately at the end of the day, if it is pure being, if it's pure consciousness, then it really is, um, it's everything that we do and that we are, right? I mean, you've kind of nailed it. Yeah, and you know what? I, I consider David a really dear friend now because he really, uh, the work that he did really, um, impacted my life in a very profound way. But in talking with him, I got to understand why it was so profound. Like when it happened, I was like, oh my God, this guy has, this is a masterpiece of work. And then I went, when he said, oh, I put all the pieces together that completely clicked is I had it in my heart, but I hadn't put it together theologically. Cause that's essentially what the- theology is, is this is this uh, logic of what God looks like. And, and I knew that grace saves all was the only way love could win. And I think that's a big thought that we've explored over these last 18, 19 episodes is this idea of almost that threaded with that book. Like, like life is about healing. And when we started exploring, like with Dr. Cruz, that blew me away, like fundamentally changed me. I have started practices from that episode and it's like, they are having a profound effect. What did you think of Dr. Cruz? Because it was a great episode, but it was kind of like on edge the whole whole time. Well, you know, Dr. Cruz, at the end of the day, what I felt is that he is a very, very smart guy. One of the smartest guys we ever met. And when you listen to the Rick Rubin Tetragrammaton podcast and you heard him actually school Huberman a little bit uh, on some things um, that even Huberman didn't know, you realize this guy is very passionate, but also very knowledgeable. And sometimes he comes across as a little bit of, 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 of a callous kind of an asshole and you can feel it, right? And I've seen him, there was a guy doing squats uh, and he was he was making fun of this guy a couple of weeks ago. And there's a lot of people in the threads like, dude, the guy has perfect form. Why you like that? And I think um, what what I think 
was frustrating for him he's he's seen so much things around him right there's a lot of people who are fighting for against censorship doc you know robert kennedy jr was testifying before congress about i'm being censured trying to tell the truth about things everything that i've said is true and yet i've been i'm being told it's malinformation so there's this new passion and 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 awakeness to like guys we, we we've got to we, if we're going to be a democracy, we have to believe in the First Amendment and we have the right to disagree. Dr. Cruz is saying, guys, we've been um, bamboozled by, you know, the, the structure, the power structure of medicine, all the money, all the all the big pharma, all of the ways people say to be healthy. It's it's kind of a lie. And at the end, he, you can just tell that he was really frustrated, but then he had a little bit of hope. It almost seemed like he was getting really emotional, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, even more than just thinking about Dr. Cruz and even David Artman is, Jonathan, why I've been so excited about this podcast is it's so different. And, and so we, we see somebody who's a eight year Vedic practitioner, right? Overcome mm-hmm. um, anxiety and depression and injury and a friend who committed suicide. But we've got Dr. Jack Cruz on the physiological health side. Mm-hmm. And then we've got, of course, Artman on the theological side. And then you've got a few random ones in between, including guys- we got who- Kevin on the athlete side. Yes. Kevin overcoming, you know, terrible, um, you know, a childhood, overcoming fear, overcoming anxiety. And at the end, what I've discovered is the common thread through all of this is people, like you said, outside of the status quo, who are overcoming and also just getting better. How can we heal? Uh, how can people get better, heal themselves, et cetera, et cetera? And it's also not, I think I focus so much on healing, but what I'm really realizing is I've spent 30 years of my life trying to restore my own heart. And I think this year has begun the beginning journey of me growing my heart. Like I know my heart's healed. I do. I have fundamentally come to terms with, I am, I'm over most of my childhood crap. And I've worked through all of that pretty deeply. And now it's about being creative. And this podcast is that creative space for me. It's where we get to have these amazing conversations with people who are doing something because the status quo is outside of the box. And that's the place I've always been attracted to is what's just, I mean, it can be right on the other line, one foot in, one foot out, but these are people who are taking, doing things at an elite or out of bounds level because I think ultimately a lot of life is about discovering what we can do. Yeah, well, you know, if you think about Kevin, it somebody overcoming addiction, he, he used to smoke pot a lot. He, he considered himself, I mean, he would take big hits of both, um, I think nicotine and, and, and pot, and it can really jack you up. And I think he probably did all kinds of drugs and he overcame addiction. And in, in that particular vein, I would say that, a lot of people have done that, so that's not necessarily status quo, but then for him to be the size he is to run 100 miles and only train for two months, no, that you're, you're a totally different category. So I'm trying to figure out if some of the guests we're going to have um, don't always have to be within the status quo, but maybe there's a unique angle of what they did, right? If we do have somebody who's overcome addiction, that's the story of their life, and they're actually helping people go through this process and overcome addiction, Right maybe there's a method that they do or something that is out of the status quo that helps people, right? Because even, if, not, they're hel- yeah. even if they're helping people inside the status quo, the idea Absolutely. of helping people is interesting. Yes. It is, it, it's this sense of, 
I, I think when we, the status quo or outside the status quo is first interesting and potentially meaningful. Like everybody we've interviewed, I've found incredibly fascinating. And you didn't seem like it at first, right? But then regardless, I mean, it's like, no, this is fascinating. There's a great story here. Yeah. And I think part of it is also there's, that's that creative side is, is I would love to discover the creative. Those are the people, because I think uh, art is like that space where you're trying to create something beautiful out of your life. And I think that's partly what I think you're talking about is they're not doing things out of the status quo, but their art certainly is exceptional things that they're doing, you know, those are the kind of people that I want, because I think that way of living is interesting. Like, what are you doing to progress and grow? Like Kevin, how many people do you know? We know someone now who has run a hundred miles. How many people do you even know have run a hundred miles? I, like, I know a couple. Cool. Yeah. I, I know um, one of my buddy, James, I ran the American river 50 with him and his brother-in-law um, has done the American river, uh, no, the Western States 100. Right. Wow. But still, it's it's crazy. Yeah, his, I think his name it's is Steve. Totally crazy. Yeah, it, it it is because we also care. You can have somebody. I mean, we could take maybe somebody off the street who just doesn't have a vo voice for a story that could be amazing, Jonathan. So I think as we reach out and love and truly are trying to dig a little bit deeper and find things, it's not just patronizing one pointers. It's like no, how do we dig in and help people? And what we're finding is, um, I mean that that's that's the gift of of, of true joy in life is finding joy in a potentially mundane looking situation. I think we found great people that happen to have great stories, but I, I think the better we get at meditating and, and, and understanding that vibration of love, the more connected we get. And when we start to realize we're all the same, we're all in all, then we realize that everybody does have a great story. It's not about this person who's a highlighter, you know, and you wouldn't think about two guys that run a really good staffing company and have great customers as being, Oh, these guys are like, they broke free of the matrix, but yeah. they've got a great story. And I think it's a great business story to have. We haven't actually had somebody who, who, who've done kind of a transformational thing in their life from a, from an entrepreneurial standpoint. So I think I'm looking forward to potentially talking to these guys. Yeah. You know what? It's finding the interesting in everybody. I think one of the things that I realized in talking to David last week was the space that we created is based on love. Like we're basically saying, hey, come on our show and we're going to treat you as though you're doing something valuable. We start yeah. there and let's listen to that. And I think there's, I think people are interested in those kind of things and also being part of that, of having a space that is love for that I'm being heard. I think that's the thing that I love what we've done is created a space where people can bring out their best conversations. And I think that's why, like, I go back to Dr. Cruz is I do feel like we gave him a space to be heard. And I think at the end, he began to really reflect on, Hey, what if this is, what if people will hear me? Cause I think that's right. ultimately what he struggled with is he's wrestled with this for a very long time and nobody will listen to him. Yeah. And now this whole generation is emerging that may absolutely listen to him. And we had our podcast exploded after that. It we did. now have, so to, I, here's what I want to say. If you're listening to this podcast, 
Thank you. There's 400 of you apparently right now, and we appreciate you. This has been a valuable experience, and I'm glad you're uh, part, of the journey, yeah. part of the journey. And if you, we would love for you to comment and review and let us know how we're doing. Try to interact with us. We would love to know what you guys think. So if there are uh, any suggestions for um, content, for uh, topics, for people, we're uh, all ears as well, you know? Absolutely. Um, what else did you learn over this experience? What's changed since I, you know what, that's the thing that I'm realizing Dr. Dispenza taught. I'm reading his latest book and he has this idea called mind movies, where you actually create a movie in your head about what your future looks like. And I think when we started this, I wanted it to feel like this. And it's even better than it than I imagined. It's not my mind movie wasn't enough. And that led me to a second thought today is how much do I assume I can't receive everything? Oh, you're not limiting yourself. You're saying because because you always we all have that hesitation, right? We always I mean, I've been selling for 25 years. And I, everybody that I've talked to, I've talked to a lot of people who've gone through cycles of like, having great you know, pieces of business come through and then there's this lull, right? Mm -hmm. And right now we're seeing one of the worst um, economies in terms of high tech and enterprise sales that anybody's seen. It's on LinkedIn every day. You just watch people. Is it a bloodbath? What's that? Is it a bloodbath in your in your stream? It's blunt. It's been a bit of a bloodbath. Yeah. I mean, I've got a good guy named Jacob that I've been following and he goes, if you're, um, if you're, if you're actually employed today, be thankful. And if you're an enterprise sales, be absolutely extra thankful because I've watched my organization go through um, three layoffs, Jonathan, in the last oh, yeah. year oh, and a yeah. half. My yeah, last job. Enterprise sales, you're yeah. selling to contracts and accounts. So you have a yes. base of business. You know, in the depression, you'll maybe lose 20 to 30% of that, but they'll, they'll account for that eventually. But when you're in startup sales, oh my goodness, it dries up. It's, it goes away. It does. Um, you were asking me earlier what I've learned about it. I mean, I, I was just actually going to comment specifically on, um, the, on the set of questions Dave was asking. And one of the things David is trying to do is I, I see his, um, the way he thinks. He still thinks in a pretty Western um, linear thought. Certainly he believes that God is going to save everybody and which is kind of a really cool construct. But he also is asking these questions such that he's asking them, does it make sense in this, that God would be like this or that, or that he would not save, or that somebody could come to the full realization uh, of that they could actually be saved and then reject that. Right. And we're like, no, no. And we're all answering the affirmative or the negative, depending on the question. And it made sense. But Sean Clayton's version of love which is very similar in that God's going to save everybody. In fact, you know, he believes we are God um, mm -hmm. is more of an Eastern thing, more of a, a sphere and, and, and a circle as opposed to like a straight linear thing. So what I'm also realizing is we can have different guests who have um, different methodologies of coming up with the same truth. Right. And that's, what's also beautiful yes. where we are. Right. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic idea because uh as we said to David, when we interviewed him on our podcast, uh, our goal has always been to find truth and it's got to resonate. And I think that's the value of you and I is I'm more heart driven. I think, I think you're more head driven oh, and head -driven. together yeah. we balance each other in this. Cause I told you when we started, I said, I don't want to go off the rails. You know, I don't, I'm not interested in losing a, my own sense of mental health 
just to discover. That's not interesting to me. I want to discover truth. I want to discover, and truth for me is defined by something that works, something yeah. that has value. Those yeah. are the interesting things that I want more in my life. And as we've made this journey, like even talking to Whitney, I was attracted to the conversation of her reels. And she's way out there in the traditional corners of evangelical Christianity. Like she would be way outside the bubble. Of course. Um, she was a beautiful soul. She was. Still you know? is. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. She, she yeah. is. And I think that's the thing is when I think that's what Jesus did really, really, really well is he went wherever he went and he found the beauty of God inside of each human being that he met with. And that's I right. think that's what we're doing. We're simply finding the beauty inside of each human being that we are interviewing. And I think I felt as we've wrapped up each podcast with Kimmin, with Whitney, with Sean, everybody seemed animated, energized, and was equally um, as thrilled to be a part of this um, road as we were, right? It, it seems Absolutely. like and that, that I think it's a great sign of that we're really trying to give a damn, you know? So um, and, you know, I don't know if it's too, too soon to start thinking about this, but we've already got a few more lined up for the next, you know, few weeks, right? You've got a gentleman um, lined up next week that's a doctor, I believe. Uh, so, yes, Dr. Chris Lee. This guy is, um, he's understands the unified field from a neuroscientific background. And the way he presents how human beings deal with their own mental health is so ridiculously funny, uh, smart, and deeply informed. That's yeah. why I love this guy. And, and he's a great talker. He's very sharp in the way he goes. And I've, I asked him actually when we first uh, started this and it didn't work out. So I asked him again and he was like absolutely on board. And the great thing is, is that he's also, we talked about wanting to really do things around men's mental health. Yeah. And I think he is that perfect person to interview regarding that. That is that is a huge angle that we've gone down because we know that Kimmin, that's that's near and dear to his heart, even though he said he's got a lot of female listeners. Most of his clients are, are male. I think that Kevin will speak very strongly to that male group and um, his brother, Sean, who we're going to have on in just a few weeks as well, who helped be a mentor for him and who has his own kind of massive following. Um you know, and so I think from that standpoint, you know, I think one of the things we didn't think about, we, we wanted to do something that was like the matrix. Are we in a simulation in this postmodern world? You know, what is up and what is down? What is left and what is right? And through it all, this idea of, of, of help. And, and I think we've got a lot of strength with men. And right now, it seems to me that, you know, you were definitely not a person espousing toxic masculinity, right? But there, I think that a lot of men out there, especially single men in their 20s and 30s that don't have a real relationship, I, I really start to feel sorry for them and very scared for their future because they've been beat up so often. And I don't know what, what the role model has been, but we've gone so far on white male patriarchy dominating and causing all the pain and suffering in the world that if you happen to be white male in 30 um, you know, you're just naturally an asshole, right? And so I, I think that we need to push back a little bit and say, how do we have these refreshing conversations and say, listen, this is where we have to be. We're not talking about 50s, you know, you know, 
you know, Her what Ozzy and Harriet kind of thing, but we need to talk about, I mean, my gosh, my friends um, that I still keep in touch with, um, we've been together. We, we started a discipleship group, um, Jonathan, after uh, we were at church 14, 15 years ago. We haven't stopped talking, even though we've all moved to different parts of the country uh, at all. We talk every day. And yeah. these, these ads were coming on from the 50s about these terrible husbands telling their wives how shitty their coffee was. <laughs> Literally, you know, he's having a shave and she comes with a smile and then he has a sip and then he, he goes, you know, today would be a better day if you didn't have just terrible coffee. And this is this. So it's like, okay, I understand why people don't want to go back to that um, fake Americana, right? And so, but the question is, how do we actually, you know, have those discussions where, you know, a single man in, in the 20s and 30s isn't a pariah, right? but actually can be a redeeming part of society. And I think we've got a big gap to, uh, to overcome. Well, I think, you know, what's interesting is um, going back to, are we in the matrix? Mm -hmm. One of the things that we both agree on is there's our matrix, but there's also the media conglomerate that feeds that. And Huge. I think what we're, what the world is beginning to recognize is one, social media has a very significant impact now on everybody's life. Every single human being who has a phone is impacted by it or a computer. And there are a lot of downsides. And I think we are getting to a place where we're recognizing what is the cost of all of those streams of thought and of almost swimming in the cesspool. Like, I think that's the hard part about Twitter. I don't do it anymore. Uh, you, do, you do a lot of Twitter and it, it feels like the lowest level. And I don't, why do you like it? It's not the lowest level, Jonathan. I saw something that horrified me over the last couple of days. It's something new on TikTok where these people sit in front of the screen and people are telling them to do certain things and they're literally going, they're licking ice cream, they're making funny sounds. And every time they move and they do something, they get points or some kind of redeeming things. I don't know what the hell it is, but you watch these two girls in front of the screen. They look, one of them looks like she's comatose and she's like epileptic and she's doing this because people are telling you to do that. And this other girl's like going, I mean, and we're talking, dude, you have to look up what this is. There's some somebody out there named Pinky Doll or I have no idea. But when you look at it, you saw the people who are like putting the caption, please explain this to me like I'm like five. What in, in God's name are these people doing? And yeah. you can just tell that they're, they're talk about the blue light, right? They're in front of these computers. They're not just talking about something stupid, disparaging somebody on Twitter. They're literally completely glued. And there's other people on the other side of that freaking screen that are doing things and making them do things so they actually get points for it. That is the lowest of the low that I've seen. I think that the people who developed TikTok oh, I agree are with that. laughing. They're just it's laughing. The, I think this is the thing that I'm recognizing is what we focus on will magnify. Yes. And I've realized one of the things that I've done that's been very healthy for me is I have tuned my Instagram to exceptional positivity. I rarely now get anything that's not funny, like in a, or is about growth of some form. Uplifting. And, yeah. yeah. And I realized because we talked about that on David's podcast of the brain magnifies what you put in. And if we put in the bad, 
it's going to magnify the bad. And if yes. you put in the good, it's going to magnify the good. And I think that's part of the journey for me is switching from one way to the other is that we can focus on how bad everything is, but there's a lot more value in focusing on what is good because it's seven times more powerful Yes, to make change. That's where I'm kind of beginning to develop my thought process, especially after all of these episodes, because we've put ourselves in contact with people who think completely differently. And I haven't ever been afraid. I'm not afraid of that. But it's it's a challenging of the space of uncertainty. What I used to think, what if someone says something that will change my mind out of the kingdom of God? That was my ultimate fear. Yeah. I used to really be afraid of apologetics or talking about anything God related because I didn't want someone to talk me out of it. Yeah. And now I realize I I basically talked myself out of it and then I talked myself into it. So. That's a fascinating angle. I want to go back to the positive thing. I did a check-in with my transcendental meditation instructor. The guy's actually been around from the beginning. He actually met Maharishi, who's the founder of TM. He knows Bob Roth, who, you know, is uh, wrote a yeah. great book called The Strength of Stillness. Um, the Strength of Stillness, yeah. And we were talking about how the world really needs more people to meditate and to be more focused and to grow and to strengthen. And instead of him saying, um, yeah, there's a lot of messed up people and just look around you, look at the streets of Philadelphia where people look like zombies. They're like, I'm just so fortunate to have this. And so that's exactly what he naturally did. He's in that zone of, you know what? I'm just so fortunate that I, I've got this practice that it kind of helps build me up instead of like saying how terrible things potentially could be. It's, it's even, even in that moment, focusing on the, on the positive side of things right there. Um, going back to uh, your, you know, you're concerned about apologetics, what's really funny is I, I, I don't know where and how we go on these journeys, but I think uh, my friend and I, when we started looking at Pete Enns and that was almost like considered, you know, why are you hanging out with that kind of stuff, right? This guy's, you know, from the get-go was like non-literal Bible, you know, um, uh, he, you know, he still affirms the resurrection and, you know, and stuff like that, but he's certainly like evolution and all these other things. And you start going down that path. And I didn't never, I didn't really fear it that much because I always looked at it in, in the light of, I think what's, it's been hidden, right, Jonathan? So the idea of like hell, for instance, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be heretical because A, um, the early church fathers believed in it, B, there's so many passages and the nature of the character of God. And so when I started going down the path like you did about, okay, is this legit? I mean, reading a book called The Immortality Key, which mm -hmm. talks about how the early Christians actually drank psychedelics during the Eucharist. And that's probably how they became, you know, impervious to the fear of death, as we talked about with psilocybin. Right. Maybe that wasn't such a bad, you know, it's not, it's not, I don't get scared by that kind of stuff anymore, right? Because if God is good and he's all in all and he's going to save us, you know, it doesn't really matter, right? Well, where can we go that God hasn't created or is? You know, I think that's, and, and it's not that that's not true. It's that it's hard to see sometimes, you know? And I think I look back at where I've come as a human being, that was a significant fear in my life when I was probably 20, 21. Yeah. I was really worried because I knew I was intelligent and I had been in Christian school all my life or most of my life. And uh, I knew a lot about the Bible and I was, I could, I, I am now realizing I have exceptional pattern recognition mm. and it comes from my ADHD 
And it allows me, and I've always had that skill. I used to have a photographic memory. I don't anymore. Um, and I realized it's allowed me to have those conversations. But when I was in college, I was, cause that's, I remember in college, that was when we, I would say the sinner's prayer just in case, yeah. you know, cause I just didn't know. Did you get straight A's in high school no. because of your photographic oh, memory? Crap. No, no, I didn't ever do homework and I got a B plus. Uh. <laughs> that's i and b plus was was good i was happy because i never did homework yeah yeah i felt i felt like you know i had like hints of a photographic memory i could memorize the rivers and the state capitals and stuff and there were points in time where something would come to me like it was like yesterday and it's right there but then i've lost that too and i people would ask me dude do you have a photographic memory and i went no if i do call it it's like 30 percent of what's not even important well, I, I, I now realize I re yeah. realize now why I did that, or why I could have a photographic memory and now I can't, is because for probably most of my like I realized when I was in my teens I was a very smart kid I I I had a charisma I was in depression for my parents' divorce but I had I was smart I was an yeah. athlete, and I learned that that became my thing that I was the smartest guy in the room and that became my identity. Mm. And what I now realize is during that period, I needed all those data points to be that person. So I kept those neural pathways fresh. I, I was always the, I was Cliff Clavin. Yes. That's who I was. I was Cliff Clavin. And I would go to parties and my ex-wife used to say, if, if you don't have to be that smart, you know, and it, but that was my identity. And now I realize I don't need those things anymore. So I don't keep those pathways and I don't remember anything anymore. They used to call me EB for Encyclopedia Brown or like yes. they call me Socrates at, at my, my fraternity. But at the same time, it was all more on the long lines of trivia. Like, wow, how did you know that? And it was more trivia as opposed to, okay, this guy's going to be a physics freaking, uh, PhD and he's going to figure out dark matter. That's really, really smart and really important and helpful. I was like the guy that remembered some random, random esoteric fact about Mesopotamia, you know, 3,500 year know, BC. Right. So anyway, dude, this is great, man. I'm, I'm glad we did this recap because it's good to take a little breath Absolutely. and to pause and just to, um, and to think about what we've learned and what we're excited about going forward, you know? So, uh, um, Anything, any, any particular, I mean, we talked about David, we talked a little bit about, you know, Byron and his Vedic meditation. We talked a lot about Kevin. I loved Kimmon. We talked about Whitney. We talked a little bit about Sean. You had your a chiropractor friend too. That was also really a, uh, one of the earlier ones, but anything else kind of stand out to you that uh, is, is worth kind of highlighting? I think um, one of the things that I really realized is very early we started saying, wow, that was really good. And then the next week, I was like, wow, that was even better. And then the next week, that was even better. And I don't think our guests were better. I think we appreciated it each time because this has been a valuable experience. And I want to keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, but the question I have for you, uh, we can talk about this on air. Let's talk about this. How uh, viable is living in the matrix as a title? Oh, I love the matrix, but that was when we started. So I want to know, is it still relevant to the story? Cause we can keep going on that theme and I have no problem with it. That's almost been kind of the theme of Neo 
And like you talked about wanting to branch out. So is that title still relevant? In the, in the, in the realm, go? yeah, in the realm that it's about breaking free and mm -hmm. overcoming that world of, of being a battery. So um, not in the terms of trying to come up with a character in the matrix, right? Which character yeah. are you? It, that was kind of fun. And maybe that's, that, that's a core, but I think that has only limited practical, you know, practical applications, right? And there's, I mean, the, the, the matrix was a finite thing, but you can find a lot of stuff around that. But I think what's important is that we are, we do seem to be pivoting more for a self-help kinds of thing. And we don't have to get into the crazy necessarily kind of mind blowing realm of the matrix, but in terms of, you know, um, this, you know, Sean, who's going to be on our podcast, who mentored, you know, Kevin, he broke through, right? His, um, his, his he's the brother of Kevin, his, his, his parents were the same parents that he, that Kevin had right. to deal with, right? Their uncle was a very helpful person in their life. And, and Sean's got his own amazing overcoming story, right? Maybe we focus and we pivot more on like just overcoming, right? And and there's this. Well, idea. I think that's the key. Is I don't. I'm fine not changing the name. I'm just asking the question just to see if it's still relevant. And it sounds absolutely like it is. I think yeah. what you said is we don't have to. Like I always like asking the question, "Who are you?" And I think most people will easily say Neo or Trinity, but it doesn't have to be the core of the podcast title. It's just a matter of hey, this is our guest. And it, that allows for growth, which I think is great, because I think the core that we still love is that idea of Neo. So Neo is about breaking out. Neo is yeah. about overcoming. Neo is about healing. Um, because I think part of, like you talked about in the beginning, is what if we do someone who's not outside the status quo? And then you reference even the homeless. I worked for two years in a homeless agency, and I think that's a fabulous idea because the journey starts somewhere. Where does it begin? Does it start when you're on top of the world and you haven't been broken? Does it start at the bottom of the rung of the barrel that you're literally rock bottom? Or does it start when you've overcome? Like th those, the journey is all cyclical and I think we need to include all of it. Was that what your, your work at City Team? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're working with Los Angeles Homeless Authority and we're going to do a workshop coming up here. So why don't I get the um, one of the executive directors uh to be on a podcast to talk about the homeless and because here's the reality the homeless population in la is exploded like i don't think anybody outside of la really knows how bad it is well it's bad in seattle it's bad in sacramento but it, it is pretty bad in la and let me explain during covid they found homes for 10,000 people and over the course of four months and they work with the local mayor and what they're doing is an amazing, amazing thing. And so I think that could be a great pivot because, you know, there, guess, guess what? There's like a homeless person in John Wick, right? The Bowery. So maybe we still tie it back into Neo some way, right? With, with, with the Keanu. <laughs> but I think, and ultimately, oh, I, regardless of what we call it, I still always want to have Keanu on. If anybody knows, anybody who knows Keanu, Please, if you could invite him, he would be the perfect guest. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now. We're gonna get Keanu on. We are going to get we did. Actually, I think we said it that episode, but I want to remind myself, yes, yes. we're absolutely gonna get Keanu on here. We're gonna get Keanu on. Because that's where we want to go. He would be the pinnacle. He would be Neo telling us his story about being Neo. You know, that would be correct. Totally meta. Anybody else we have coming? Um 
So um, you can talk about Andrew, who who is kind of a partner in oh, crime yeah. with um, David Arman. But um, the people that I've got in mind are two co-owners of the Topa Group, which is a staffing agency. And just a quick little sneak peek. And this is not even a done deal. But I, I asked my son, who now works for them, do you think they'd be cool with this? And I think the story is amazing. Again, on the owner, Jonathan, but by the way, Jonathan, <laughs> this is really cool. Good name. Again, he, he and his wife were park rangers in Maine and ends up... Um, somehow getting a potential gig in, in Southern California in Thousand Oaks to be a recruiter. And it was kind of going sideways a little bit. And, and his wife's like, hey, we're going back. You know, we know park ranging stuff. He goes, let's give another try. And now it's, you know, it's night and day. You know, you go from being a young entrepreneur with probably millions of dollars of revenue and, and a staff of 16. And then you pick up somebody along the way. He used to work at McDonald's and now is your, um, you know, partner in crime and just crushing it. Um, that's a great story. I think that um, I would like to hear from, and maybe we'll have them on in September. Absolutely. So, yeah. You talk that's about awesome. and, Andrew, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? It's Ronich. Ronich. Um, okay. I don't know if it's Horonich or Ronich, but it, he essentially wrote a parallel work of David Artman. So it'll be interesting to, uh, um, he's an interesting guy. I watched a, a YouTube video about him and he'll, I think he gives a little bit of a different flavor than David's work, but it's the same concept, which I would love to promote. So, um, yeah. Well, Thomas Talbot's famous, right? We've got Brad Jerzak. We've got quite a few. Um, there's a guy named Robin Perry, yeah. who's kind of a pseudonym, right? So um, I think there's a lot of potential people we could folk to get a different flavor and however we can spread it and, 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 uh, and, and learn about it, right? I think is, is, is key. And then maybe we can create a documentary about it. There you go for a Netflix special on how to become a universalist. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, but it's not really. So. I know, I know. But it would be good to move this into film and make something out of it, you know? They're, they're, yeah, yes, that is. So we are going to be moving uh, people to Zencaster to include video, uh, awesome. which means I have to update my location because I'm sitting in my bedroom looking at my fan the entire time so that'd be a little distracting but um we are definitely going to upgrade to uh better sound and better video and uh so there's a lot of really good stuff coming up i feel like this first chapter has been exceptional yeah it really has yeah and i feel very blessed we have you know we do we have about four thousand listens a month now and we are doing uh most episodes do two to 300 listens. So I'm enjoying that someone it's resonating with someone out there. That's the value of this for me is I don't, I love doing this. I would have all of these conversations without an audience, but I like that it resonates with people because I think what we're really trying to communicate is a space. There exists a space in the world where you are welcome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what we're doing. We're creating a space where people are welcome to tell their story with no judgment, uh, and we're interested in it because every human being brings something to the table. And I think we're just drawing that out. That's exactly what we discovered. Yeah. Yeah. All right, brother, this has been a wonderful recap. Uh, this was a great idea. I'm glad you said this because this is, and it's perfect time, you know, just kind of taking stock in where we're at. Any uh, final words for the audience? 
Uh, no, um, I am going to be coming up your neck of the woods uh, at the end of uh, August. So uh, yeah, I've got some business and I've got some other stuff to do. And so yeah, let's uh, let's plan on getting together in the next uh, the next month or so. Absolutely, dude. We could maybe do All a right. podcast in uh, both of us in person. Oh, I got some ideas for you on that too. Um, um, Aubrey Marcus has a conference in November that is almost like a healing burning man who's Arby marcus why don't i know that name he, he just go to my list and find him he's super easy to find okay he, he did the dark retreat documentary on youtube oh and the dark also, room yeah where he did a dark retreat for four days and then he also okay. did an ayahuasca documentary about three years ago oh, that so sounds that's amazing. how i found him yeah um, one day i'd love to have him and he he is very he's a very interesting soul uh, very masculine, very leadership oriented, but, um, but yes, doing it in person would be fantastic. So let's uh, try and make that happen. Awesome. All right, everybody uh, have a wonderful week. Yeah, we will see you next week and uh, much love everybody. Stay cool out there.